0: Good day and welcome to our listeners. My name is Chris Yelland and I am an Energy Analyst and Managing Director at EE Business Intelligence. This is the first in a series of four podcasts brought to you by the Revigo Africa Energy Fund to build awareness of new investment opportunities in the renewable energy sector of sub-Saharan Africa. The Revigo Africa Energy Fund is listing on the JSE this year and is focusing on owning stakes in a portfolio of operating renewable energy assets, initially in South Africa, but then broadening across the sub-Saharan region. Today we are joined by Abel Ngiako, Chief Technical Officer at Rovigo Fund Managers, and Dieter Matsner, a Power and Infrastructure Consultant at Investec Bank, to demystify renewable energy as compared to other generation technologies to see where renewable energy fits into the grid with technologies such as energy storage to reduce carbon dioxide emissions. Abel, I'll start with you. How do you define renewable energy? What are the different types of renewable energy? For example, some people consider hydroelectric power to be renewable energy. Others say no, it's only wind and solar. What about biomass and other technologies? So how do you define renewable energy?
1: Chris, um, thanks for having us. Basically, re- renewable energy, it's, it's energy, basically, that you get from um, sustainable sources, you know, sources that, um, natural sources that, you know, can be replenished. And in particular, when you look in terms of um, solar um, and wind, um, and you've just mentioned now um, about hydro, um, I think that's the one that's mostly commercially developed, uh, especially in Africa. Um, and also biomass, um, so those are, I mean, there's geothermal as well, that you also normally see with these areas where with take sort of like a bit of uh, geothermal basically getting the energy from from, from the earth. Um, so, yeah, so, and, and, and the main thing about renewable energy is it is basically um, a clean energy, meaning that um, as the world is moving towards, you know uh, reducing the carbon um, emissions onto our planet or into our system atmospheric atmospheric area and um, we all know uh, the consequences of us as human beings uh, not reducing those carbon emissions that you know it, it, it basically results in climate change so that's one of the major benefits about this renewable energy where in terms of generating electricity we and not causing any harm onto the atmosphere.
2: Mm. I think, Chris, maybe just to add to what everyone was saying, um, for me, uh, the definition of renewable energy is essentially, uh, it, is, it must be limitless, right? It must not depend on the Earth's resources, right? Where, where you basically uh, are relying on, 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 on what's in the ground or, or in the air, whatever, because ultimately, solar, wind, hydro, as well as biomass, is dependent on sunshine, as long as the sun uh, shines onto this earth, uh, these these four uh, resources will be there. There will always be hydro, there will always be wind, there will always be solar, and there will always be biomass. We know that the sun probably has got another five billion years left, and for all practical purposes of, of life, in other words, and for all practical purpose, that essentially means the threats to the earth or life on earth is definitely not energy. It's many other issues, right? Meteor strikes and so on and so forth. So, so I think uh, the fact that renewable energy is not just clean, but it is, is, is limitless in terms of being able to be exploited, that, that to me is really the essence uh, hmm. of renewable energy. You know, yes, geothermal and that is all fine, but, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take until you don't have the earth cooling anymore further. <laughs> Could be a couple of million years still, but it's certainly not five billion years. So, sunshine is the important part in my my definition of defining renewable energy.
0: Thank you, uh, Dieter, and of course Abel, uh, for those insights, uh, and uh, yeah, it's really um, uh, quite a range of exciting new technologies uh, that have experienced massive price reductions in the last decade uh, that are be- finding application uh, not only in uh, South Africa and in Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa, but globally. And of course, there are some other exciting technologies, and I wanted to explore these with you, Uh, what what I call the supporting technologies, because as we know, uh, renewable energy is variable. It's not constant throughout the day and throughout the night. Uh, And so it needs some kind of supporting uh, technologies to enable it to deliver dispatchable and reliable power. Can you fill us in on some of these technologies that uh, can work together with Renewable energy uh, to ensure dispatchability and reliability.
2: As you uh, quite rightly pointed out, the the principal technologies uh, for wind, solar, uh, uh, biomass, hydro, these have been around for a very long time, and uh, and there is no really technologically um, sort of uh, new things. What what is very important, however, is that certain issues have happened, which make them now cost competitive and also essentially uh, available 24 seven, right? And uh, it is the first, the first area I would like to touch on in, in, in bringing them on a continuous basis into the grid is the digitization of the power supply grid. In other words, that you actually can create smart platforms where energy can be, uh, can be provided uh um on a on a a controlled basis in other words you can control demand and supply and and this is very different from the original design of power grids, where you always had a lot of um power systems on standby to be available in case somebody uses power right so it was the matching of demand and supply um through the digitization of the uh, power supply grid is, is, is very important and is, of course, supported by the whole concept of the Internet of Things and uh, the ability to to, to, to to let all these devices communicate with each other across the grid. On top of this, of course, there has been massive progress made over the last uh, a few years now in energy storage um, of all sorts of technologies. Obviously, batteries are well known, now, but pumped hydro and, 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 and liquid air storage and all sorts of storage technologies are coming to the fore. What's really exciting is the massive scale up of factory capacities over the last 10 years when it comes to solar PV panels, to wind turbines, to uh, battery technologies um, has really caused the price curve of these uh, technologies to drop to an extent that it essentially can compete today with any other Energy source, and that's really what 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 is creating what is creating this uh, this big impetus of driving the uh, the rollout of uh, renewable energy. Clearly, you have always improvements in, in in specific technologies. I'm thinking specifically about bifacial panels, which are increasing the performance ratios of solar PV plants massively from the lower low. to to, to up here, almost up to 90%, you know, there is uh, the whole issue around uh, uh, increasing the the voltages at which uh, these systems are working to increase efficiencies. When we look at wind turbines, the hub heights, the turbine hub heights are being generally increased uh, to, let's say, up to now 120 meters and even higher. Rotor diameters, the turbines are becoming bigger and more efficient. Um, Even offshore wind has become much more competitive and and, and is being rolled on a massive scale. And then, of course, uh, the last component, which I think is the last building block in getting to a 100 percent renewable energy system, is the whole question around green hydrogen. Right. And uh, I never thought I would see that in my life. Uh, that uh, hydrogen would actually become a commercially viable component in, in the energy system. But I think with the reductions in electricity costs from hydrogen and most likely the massive scale-up of electrolyzer capacity, which will again reduce the costs of uh, of these uh, equipments, I think there's a high likelihood that in the next five to ten years we will see massive uh, growth in, in, in the so-called green hydrogen markets and rollout of infrastructure. So I think if you put all these things together, I can really see that this energy transition towards a uh, renewable energy dominated supplies becoming a reality. It's, it's, it's taken a very long time. It's been in the coming for the last 40 years. But I think over the next 20, 30, 40 years, we certainly gonna see massive, massive jumps being made. Dieter,
0: you, you've painted a picture of uh, the power system transitioning to a renewables-dominated uh, uh, mix. Uh, but I want to ask, Abel, uh, what about... I mean, we hear the dream... Is it a dream of 100% renewables uh, you know, in our power system? Uh, or is it just going to be a dominant part of the system uh, with other technologies like nuclear and coal... And uh, and 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 hydro and other uh, technologies will they also be part of this mix Uh, or do you see any reality that this dream of a hundred percent renewables can be
1: realised? Everyone knows the history that we're coming from in South Africa where we've always been uh, our energy generation has always been coal based. But we're starting to see now um, the shift, and uh, especially the shift towards the renewable energy. And um, we absolutely believe that um, it's going to be compatible with the current system that we have. However, um, in, the next, uh, in, the, in the next decades, um, as the power stations that ESCOM own start getting decommissioned, a lot of that gap is going to be filled by renewable energy sources and um and, and, and here's the thing that I, I that makes me believe that going forward in the next uh in the next few years that we will see um, more uh, renewable energy uh, coming on on stream. It's very driven by your uh, foreign direct investments and I know that as a, as a country we've always been talking about this issue of getting investments in the country and um and these particular plants are basically funded by commercial banks and they're funded by sponsors and developers, mainly coming from, uh, you know, developed worlds where they've actually uh, demonstrated their experience in terms of uh, developing these assets. So when you look at it from that perspective, the main thing basically is all that infrastructure spend, the pressure gets to be taken away from the state and also from ESCOM uh, by extension. So therefore, that's, how, that's why I believe that we will start seeing more uh, of these renewable energies uh, coming on stream. Um, and as to when and how, they, I mean, when they get to be coming a dominant uh, supply of, so of of energy, I think that we will see that in the next 15, 20 years, definitely.
0: Interesting. Yeah, thank you for that, um, Abel. So, um, look, uh, we know that... Uh, there has been a huge uptake uh, of renewable energy uh, in the uh, developing countries and um, I would say that even though South Africa has played is probably the biggest uh, uptaker certainly in sub-Sahara Africa um, South Africa is I think behind the curve other countries have moved ahead of us uh, in terms of the renewable energy in the mix and in in sub-Sahara Africa I think they're even further behind the curve. So what are the challenges that are making renewable energy uh, so difficult in Africa and uh, what can be done to make renewable energy in Africa a reality uh, to to start catching up and hopefully uh, leapfrogging and uh, learning from uh, the mistakes of other countries uh, and doing things right first time?
2: I think, uh, Chris, uh, as you know, To, to change an energy system takes a long time, right? And uh, I think that uh, it needs, uh, the first issue, of course, it needs very meticulous planning, um, long-term planning. And when I talk about meticulous planning, the detail needs to be planned. It's not just about building a wind farm or a solar farm or whatever it is. It is about how will you interface this infrastructure in such a way that it, that it also still makes use of the current infrastructure's lifetime because massive investments have gone into the infrastructure, the existing infrastructure, and it needs to serve its its lifetime out. And in terms of the South African power system, as you know, most of the coal and nuclear plants will go out of service around about 2040, 2045. So it is really over this next 25 years where a meticulous plan on how this transition will happen will come about and then very importantly if such a plan is in place and i'm not just talking about the irp then of course very important is how do you create this infrastructure and in this market and and again some africa is lacking very much there because unfortunately we sit with an ideological mindset in the ruling parties you know mind which is very suspicious of private sector involvement and, and investment. Although I fully agree that government control over the transmission grid is correct and justified to allow access for everybody into the grid, we need to leave the risk of generating power and distributing it to the
1: private sector and to public-private partnerships. We also have low hanging fruits, um, especially in particular in our environment here in South Africa this talk about uh, escom um, sort of restructure in terms of separating it into separate divisions i think that will also accelerate the renewable uh, energy also coming onto grade and basically you know uh, supplying directly onto particular customers or even home homes that we have here in south africa so i know details touch on it but um, i think the biggest challenge that we have is our government's regulations and sure you'll always have regulations that will govern the environmental aspects and obviously some of the commercial ones, but to a certain extent um, we need movement towards that in terms of allowing uh, those renewable energy sources to come on grid. Thank you uh,
0: gentlemen, thank you Abel and Dieta for that input, and I want to really close off now with some uh, last question africa is uh, the last unexplored continent in a way in terms of electricity access to electricity is relatively low and there are huge opportunities uh, for the electrification of africa but africa has a problem uh, in many countries that it doesn't have an extensive grid like south africa does Uh, so why is renewable energy so important for africa in an environment of low electrification uh, low access, um, and, and also uh, without grid coverage over the country. How is renewable energy going to make a big difference in Africa?
2: Yeah, um, I think, Chris, as, as you quite rightly pointed out, is that the continent has, some, um, let's say, uh, disadvantages, right? Because it is the largest continent on Earth, uh, which implies building large power stations with large transmission grids is just not feasible and, and environmentally, in any case, very destructive, as we know. As you mentioned just now, we're the least industrialized uh, continent on Earth. And and also, the next 80 years at least, uh, we're probably going to become uh, or are the, the continent with, with the biggest uh, population growth. But it's exactly those disadvantages which actually are major advantages for a renewable energy future, in my mind. It's absolutely those key drivers which could be mitigated by rolling out this vision of a 100% renewable energy future over the next, let's say, 50 to 100 years. And the reason for that is very simple. It is because it is the continent endowed with the most diverse and abundant amount of solar, wind, and hydro, and landmass to produce high biomass. It is exactly that availability of a natural resource which we can mine, and, and when we, we have enough of those resources in Africa to supply the entire world with electricity with liquid fuels with heat right if that if that was the if we did that energy mass energy balance right africa could very easily do that that is no no question about this right so we certainly can supply the whole continent uh, ourselves in addition to this um, if we were to focus on this vision of a 100% renewable energy strategy for africa it would provide us with the cleanest um, energy system on the globe and it would provide us with the most competitive energy system because as we know today these energy sources resources from solar hydro and wind are more competitive than any yeah. other other resource right besides just being clean therefore it would be really really important uh, to move into this future because it really gives us competitively priced energy for our industries for people right and then with the recently enacted uh, african free trade agreement we would be able if we can organize this on a on a continental basis to actually establish partnerships with some technology suppliers from europe asia united states wherever from. And create massive manufacturing industries, right? Which need to be, of course, a bit coordinated, so that not everybody makes solar panels, or everybody makes wind turbines, or everybody makes hydro systems. But but if that could be a bit organized, it would be a, a, a massive impetus for industrializing, putting manufacturing industry together, which could serve the continent, not just South Africa, but but across the continent. And I know it's difficult to, to sort of get these things off the ground, but I think we're we at, the, at the forefront now of actually being able to do this. The technologies are
1: mature, they're competitive, there's African free trade. Because if you look in terms of um, plain speak, a lot of our African economies' major constraint and bottleneck is consistent uh, supply of electricity. I know that in South Africa, we we also um, having our own challenges, but in other countries, it's bigger and and worse than we have here. So to unlock their economic potential, um, as Dita has mentioned, this natural resource that is readily available in country, whether you're looking at Zambia or you're looking at Kenya or even Botswana right now, because that's also starting to embark on this uh, solar uh, renewable energy supply um that would also then result in the benefits cascading down to other i mean industries and other uh, other other sectors within those african economies so once we once we resolve this issue of uh, electricity supply and uh, predictable and consistent i think um, a lot of the african uh, countries will start um, achieving their potential and it's mainly going to be driven by the the implementation of this renewable energy because as it has mentioned i mean when you look in terms of our solar energy in africa is higher than they have in europe and yet we in terms of percentage we we have quite a very uh small uh percentage in terms of uh, solar energy being uh, connected to the grids so and also the land availability in terms of our land space that allows us as the benefit in terms of we don't have like a highly densely populated areas. So that will allow us to actually construct uh, those plants to to support the grid. And we've seen other countries as well in Africa where they are starting to do mini-grids. I know Dita touched on that, I mean, being a bigger continent as well, you know, some transmission lines might just be a challenge, but putting in mini-grids, um, would also resolve um, the issue uh, that at this moment in time, Africa is actually uh, faced with those challenges.
2: And I'm i pretty convinced, uh, Chris, that the transition to, to such a uh, energy system will have much more profound effect on on the economy than than, for example, the the switch from fixed landlines to mobile phones has. I mean, the amount of Uh, The amount of impetus this will give to entrepreneurs, to small businesses, to job creation for this, to deal with this massive population growth and which will then again produce a lot of new products and services is will be uh, really exponential. And in my view, the abundance of clean and cheap energy, you know, will, will really deal with those key challenges of humanity, of which we have many in Africa, being energy security, water security. Food security, and if you can deal with those three things—health, health, and education—will be sorted out as well. It is. It is really fundamental that, that such a vision is not just a pipe dream. It it, it is now possible. Uh, the technologies are mature. They are commercially available. We we have a really opportune time now over the next 30, 40 years to make that that switch and make that happen.
0: Many thanks for listening to this, the first in a series of four podcasts brought to you by the Rivigo Africa Energy Fund. And many thanks to our panel today, Abel Mjuyako, Chief Technical Officer at Rivigo Fund Managers, and Dieter Matzner, Power and Infrastructure Consultant at Investec Bank. Stay tuned for the next podcast on what it takes to build own, and operate an independent power producer, whether this be utility scale, off-grid, or self-generation. All podcasts in this series will be posted on the Revigo website at www.revigoenergy.com and www.revigo.co.za. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Revigo Africa Energy Fund or Revigo Africa Energy Limited and do not constitute financial or other advice. Revigo Fund
1: Managers is an authorized financial service provider.